wonderful privilege it is to be here today, and I greet each one of you in the name that is above every name, Jesus, the Son of the living God, our resurrected Savior. It's such a joy to be here. I have a flood of memories as I'm standing here. Uh, I met uh, uh, pa your pastor, BJ. We call him BJ. I still, uh, is that still how you go? Okay. <laughs> And uh, his parents uh, pastoring here and uh, uh, an incredible relationship that God burst and for which we are very grateful and thankful. When the Lord spoke to me in uh, 1995, uh, that time has come for us to, uh, you know, sell everything and move back to India. The first thing the Lord spoke in my heart was to fast for 40 days. And uh, I have never fasted, and uh, I usually stayed away from people who fasted because I had a feeling that it may be contagious. <laughs> and I had some friends who loved to eat, so we would go just sit to eat, you know. <laughs> but uh, fast for 40 days. And uh, I remember telling uh, your father, I'm going to be fasting for 40 days. You want to join me? And he said, yes. <laughs> and so we had a great meal uh, before we started our fast and uh, had communion. And the next day we started. And uh, it, is just, it was an incredible time of intimacy with the Lord and uh, receiving revelation and direction. And, you know, interesting, the Bible says our Jesus, when he was speaking to, his, uh, to the people, in Matthew chapter 6 would say these words, uh, when you pray, listen how he phrases it, when you pray, that means he expects us to pray. All right, he doesn't say, if you can, make some time, nice to get together with you. No, when you pray, he already assumes you and I are going to be praying. And he uses the same uh, phrase, when you give. He expects us to give and uh, expects us to be faithful in our tithes and our offerings. And then he says, when you fast, all in the same cha chapter, when you fast. So uh, just to encourage you, I'm not trying to uh, make you feel uncomfortable that you have not fasted. You know, you're looking at a guy who never fasted. And since that first 40 days, I have done many 40-day uh, fasts. I don't plan to say, okay, I'm going to fast. It just kind of wells up in me, and I stop desiring food and just slip into it. And before you know it's over, you actually feel sad it's going to be over. And uh, so I want to encourage you, if you've never fasted, to ask the Lord to give you that privilege. You would be surprised at all the amazing things God does personally in your life and in your work, in your family, with your children, in relationships, in your business, and if you are wanting to reach out to people in your neighborhood, your, your neighbors, you would be absolutely astounded at the spiritual power that God releases inside you. You won't feel anything. You know, we, don't, we are people who don't go by feeling. We are people who walk by faith. And this is a big difference between believers and people who do not know Jesus Christ. Typically, when something happens, people, how do they respond? They either respond with their mind or they will respond with their senses. 
they see something and that is affecting how they are going to respond. They hear something, they feel something, a touch, whatever it is, they respond to that. But that is not the way God wants us to respond to circumstances in life. And this is made extremely evident in the book of Matthew chapter 14, um, where you see this incredible true incident where Jesus, after feeding 5,000 men, it says, but I really believe it could be 20,000 because if there are 5,000 men, 10,000 ladies, and then 5,000 children, so the number is actually big. He, he, he does this amazing miracle. He's teaching the disciples something practical. You know, you have this massive crowd that's walked around the Sea of Galilee to come to hear you. They are with you all day, and it comes to a point where it is evening. They have to go, and the disciples are saying, get up. We need them to go because there's no food. They got to reach home. There's no McDonald's or Golden Corral nearby and, <laughs> and <laughs> no Panera bread. So, you know, we can't get anything. And what did Jesus do? He, he didn't respond to that with his emotions. He didn't go, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it. I really missed my time. You know, come on, guys, what do we do? Uh, you know, he didn't talk like that. What did he tell them? He told them, have everybody sit down. And then he blessed it, and then it got multiplied. He responded in faith from his spirit man. Now, why do I say that? Because Jesus was fully God, fully man. His seed was from God so that he can be fully God. Because God needed a sinless sacrifice to die for us, for our sins to be forgiven. So he had to come in the form of a man. And he was fully man because he had a body of flesh like you and I have. Because God cannot die. God has no beginning. God has no end. But yet sin had to be dealt with. And the only way it can be dealt with is by death. Because the wages of sin is death. And we cannot die for our own sin. It still will not satisfy the wrath of God. So it has to be a sinless sacrifice. So God sent his son into this world fully man, fully God. So when Jesus did miracles, he is doing it as a human being like you and I are. Every demon he drove out was with a physical body like you and I have. Every blind eye he opened, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he commanded the wind and the, and the waves to cease and be calm, he did it with a physical body like you and I have. Because he cannot have anything more, a greater advantage than you and I have and expect us to do the things he has commanded us to do. So how did he do it? That's what he's teaching there. He's teaching the disciples, you respond to whatever is your challenge. Whether it's a very small challenge, or whether it's a massive challenge. It's totally impossible. You deal with it from your spirit man, because it's your spirit that has been born again, regenerated. And then the spirit is allowed, we allow the spirit to be at the top, to rule. And, and deliberately bring our senses and our mind under the control of the Holy Spirit. As long as we respond with our mind, with our senses, it, it results in confusion, strife, anger, violence, so many different things. 
You know, in a family, say there is a circumstance where a child is beginning to do things that you know is not right and you have taught this child how to love the Lord, live for God. Now some influences have come and a different lifestyle is being manifested. People respond with their emotions. They are falling apart. They are not sure what to do. Uh, they get angry. They are dealing in a, with their child. And then the child, the relationship is breached. But God says, you are looking at an impossible circumstance. And the way to deal with it is through your spirit. Because it's our spirit, when you read the Bible, response. It's our spirit that receives the truth that God speaks. It gets embedded in our hearts. And from inside, power is released from that word which we have chosen to receive or memorize in our hearts or meditate in our hearts. And then we apply it to our circumstance. And what are we doing? We are following the same example of Jesus. He fasted for 40 days. You know, at the end of 40 days, it's natural to be hungry. The devil comes. He says, why don't you, if you're the son of God, see all these rocks here, you know, why don't you turn them into bread? You know, I'm just having an, you know, thinking, did you see all that bread out there? Oh, man, I, <laughs> stuff I haven't seen in a long time. There's cinnamon rolls, you know, there's uh, cream and... I did partake of a few, and then I had to pray, Lord, let me not get a sugar high or something. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know what the devil told him. You know, you can make these cinnamon rolls. You can make this, you know, pumpkin pie. I don't know what he told him. But the point is, how did Jesus respond? He did get into a hell, uh, extended conversation with the devil. That's something we need to stop doing. Because I'm just saying we need to follow the example of Jesus. So instead of communicating and getting into this conversation, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, how did Jesus know this? Because he had to take time to read the Old Testament that was available to him. As a human being, he's fully God, fully man, but he had to read the word so that he can store the word in his heart and mind. So in the day of adversity, when we are tempted, tested, you're going through a trial, a massive storm breaks out in your life, and you do not, you look at the size of the waves and the velocity of the wind, and your fear tries to grab your heart and mind. We turn to the Lord, and the Spirit of God searches your heart and finds that scripture and brings it to you. And then you speak it out of your mouth. But only when we speak it is the power released. And God, as long as he was thinking, let there be light, nothing happened. It happened only when he spoke. He said, let there be light, and light came forth. We still have it. Jesus had to look at demon-possessed people and literally he couldn't say in his heart, oh, it will be nice for this person to be free. No, he said, get out in Jesus' name. When he spoke, the power of God is released. So the word of God has the same power in your mouth and in my mouth just as it was powerful in the mouth of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you. To read the word with a different purpose. 
It's not, well, I have a, I'm a Christian, you know, I have to read the Bible, otherwise I'm going to, you know, it's not good. Don't read from that point. We need to read the Word, and then even if you read 10 verses, go back and read it again, and the Spirit of God will identify a phrase, a, 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 a simple word, and you meditate on it. Take a little time to meditate on it, and the, then the thing to do is to pray over what we just read. Just pray line by line the scripture. Then your prayer life becomes strong. You have fresh material to pray. You don't run out of what to pray after two minutes. That's a challenge we face. Hey, what do I do? How did that guy pray for an hour? No, I'm all done. <laughs> because we are praying what we are thinking. We need to pray the word. And as we pray the word, the word gets embedded forever in our hearts. Now try a test. You know, you read certain things this morning before you came to church. Tonight, before you go to bed, ask, what did I read? How much do you remember? I'm not asking you to answer me. But I'm saying we have a challenge in that point. The way to fix it is to meditate and pray over it. It gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to move the truth from the pages into our heart. Now, once it's in our heart, then it is ready to be used. It's like a sure bullet that pierces the devil right through him. So when you come under attack, you're attacked in your mind, you're attacked with lust, you're attacked with whatever it is, you're attacked by the enemy to be uh, angry or be jealous, whatever it is, we have the word to speak through our mouth and that causes the enemy to be mortally wounded that he leaves us. That's how we are to use the word. For example, the armor of God. We are all familiar with the armor of God, and God very specifically says, you know, it's not like, you know, wake up and say, today I like to wear like a blue shirt, tomorrow maybe a white, tomorrow next day a gray. You know, you don't choose it. God says, put on the whole armor of God. And we need to take that seriously. We need to put it on. Because part of the armor is the word of God. And in that, there's one word used, you know, the sword, which is the spirit. Word of, you know, talks about the word. And, uh, and the sword is compared to the word. Now, if you look at biblical history or those who have researched Roman warfare, they tell us that the Roman army did not issue their soldiers long swords or curved swords or heavy swords. In those days, some people used long swords, some people used double-edged swords, some people used swords that were very heavy. You had to use both hands to lift it, to hit somebody, and, you know, it'll crack the helmet and cut, cut, cut a person right through. But the Roman soldiers were issued a foot-and-a-half length sword because they found out if the tip of the sword can penetrate a person's body by just two inches, then that person will be incapacitated, in many cases be dead. They didn't want to waste time with movement. Every movement, you take an enemy out. So that is the word, that, that is the, the, the Greek word used there talks about a short sword. 
So in, 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 in the Bible, the whole Bible is called the Logos, which is the Word of God. Rather, when you come to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the word used is more like a rhema word. What is a rhema word? A rhema word is a word the Spirit of God chooses from our storage and brings it to our remembrance at the right moment so that it can come out of our mouth. That's what Jesus used. He didn't quote the whole Bible to the devil. He just quoted one phrase. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what did he do? He thrust that sword into the enemy. Three times he did, and the enemy said, you know, I'm done. Why? He is wounded. And that's an example that Christ has left us as to how we need to deal with our circumstance. So when it comes to perhaps in your family, you have a challenge with your child, you know, you look at the word. My children are an inheritance from the Lord. My children are an inheritance from the Lord. They were a gift given to me by God. And I do not have the right or the authority just because I'm overwhelmed or whatever it is to relinquish control over my children. I'm talking spiritual control. You are the parent. God didn't make a mistake giving the child to you. He wanted you to be the mother and you to be the father. And whether it's a single parent or both of you are there, it's your child. And you have inside you the Holy Spirit. And you and I have the same word. And Jesus says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. So we have to tell God, Lord, thank you for my child. Thank you that this, this child is a gift from you, an inheritance from you. Today there is a lifestyle that I don't agree with, is grievous to you, but I will fight it. I am engaged in a spiritual battle. I am going to go into the enemy's territory through your power. And engage the enemy in battle because this devil that you and I are faced with is a defeated devil. He's already defeated because Jesus crushed him. So today we are looking not just at a wounded devil or a, or a, or a you know, dislocated armed devil. We are looking at an enemy who has been crushed, who has been defeated. And that victory is yours. It's like... A boxer who's been training for months, a couple of years before he gets into the ring and had to be there 15 rounds, is beaten all over, eyes are puffed up, lip cut, you know, and finally he wins and he says the prize is $10 million. He goes home and his wife is there. She never trained. She never got in the ring. But he answered to her. We are the bride of Christ. <laughs> and that's what God has done for us. And I want to encourage you today that not to give up, to respond to our circumstances. Not with our mind, not with our senses, because that's what Jesus is teaching there. Now, right after he does this with the disciples, you know, he feeds all these people, sends them away. Then he tells them, get in the boat and go to the other side. Get in the boat and go to the other side. They obeyed. They were not disobedient. They obeyed. And the Bible says it was evening. They got in. 
and they just went a short time in the, in the Sea of Galilee, this massive storm breaks out. It was so, it was a horrible storm, and they, what did they do? They responded with their mind. Half of them were fishermen who had fished all their life in the Sea of Galilee, and they told the other guys, like the tax collector, hey, here's a bucket, you bail the water, and we are going to row. And what happened from evening? So I'm assuming 5 o'clock, Jesus dispatched them. Say by 7 o'clock in the night, evening, the storm breaks out. And they are struggling against the storm all night. Jesus told them, I'm praying. He goes up to pray. And I believe he was praying for the disciples, but also praying for us. Because what he's going to teach them that day is not just for them, but also for us. So what does he do? He prays until the fourth watch. Now, that's an important number there. Fourth watch. That is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So 7 o'clock to, say, 3 o'clock in the morning, we're looking at seven hours of hard labor. They are responding with their senses, with their mind. They are convinced, their mind tells them, this is a storm, this is a monster storm, and you are going to be sucked under these waves. And about the time Jesus comes walking on the water. They have never seen a Jesus who can walk on water. They are familiar with a Jesus on land, not on water. So now they think it's a ghost. So they got two fears now going on. One, I'm going to drown. Second, I'm dealing with a ghost, which is worse. There was no faith there. <laughs> you had to jack them up just to bury them that day. They were so low. <laughs> now, this is not just for them. We also face circumstances like this. Storm never gives you a 24-hour notice. Say, I'm going to hit your marriage. I'm going to hit your child. I'm going to hit your job. It doesn't do that. It just comes. But we are believers. There's something different about us. Yes, we, have, we are like everybody else, but there is a difference. We are now bought by the blood of Jesus. We belong to Christ. We are made a new creation. God has entered into a covenant relationship with us. So we respond to our circumstances different from anybody else. So, here are the disciples. You can imagine they are trying to row, row, you know, no row, row, row the boat that day. It's not going anywhere. Seven hours are minimum. These people are struggling. Jesus comes walking on top of the very, very waves that is going to destroy them, drown them. Think about that. Our circumstances, today you are, some of you may be in a storm, some of you can see the storm coming, some of you are just coming out of a storm. What God is saying is, you don't have to just crawl out of your storm. We can subdue the storm. Those winds on that day and the waves that day could drown Jesus. But he was responding with faith and in his spirit, and he's showing them, you can have a terrible storm, but walk on top of your storm. So here they're looking at their circumstances. Whoa, that wave. This is it. This is the last one. But he is walking on top of that. 
He's telling them, just like I am using my faith and walking on top of these negative circumstances, these angry waves and this terrible wind, you don't have to drown in it. You too can walk on top of your circumstances. Would a good God actually send his 12 disciples whom he's training so that once he leaves, they will take over and fill the whole world with the good news of Jesus Christ and demonstrate the power of God? Will he send them to a certain death? No. There was a lesson he had to teach them and the only way is through a storm. So if you're going through a storm, don't look at it and say, don't listen to the devil because he will tell you God doesn't love you. You remember 20 years ago you did such and such, now the payment is coming. This is a lie from the devil. If you have repented of your sin and asked Christ to forgive you of your sin, your sins have been washed and it is removed as far as from the east to the west. You are not blood red with sin, rather you are being made white as snow. We have to believe it. Where do we get that? From the scriptures. So that's where we discern between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. Because the spirit of God, he's not far away. He's living inside you right now. If you are a child of God, inside your physical body, this Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, has taken permanent residence right now. He's living inside the Bible says, do you not know that your physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's a permanent residence. He's not like, you're not a holiday in. He's going to check in today. A week after, later, he's going to check out. No. He has come in to stay permanently. Come on. Can we thank God for that? Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say this with me. Raise your right hand and say this with me. Thank you, Jesus. For baptizing me with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I worship you. I am so grateful that you are living inside me. You have come to help me. To partner with me. Through every circumstance. Through every decision in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is what the Bible teaches. You never have to say, I am alone. There's nobody there for me. No, no, no. You have God with you. There is no other greater person who can be with you and me than God himself. And this Holy Spirit is somebody very special. He has already researched, the Bible says, the mind of God, the length, depth, height, and width of the mind of God. He knows what is the exact strategy that you and I need to follow in the middle of our challenges, our sickness, our depression, our oppression, whatever it is. He knows and he will reveal it to us. And he's not somebody who's going to stay on the shore and say, okay, you walk. Let's see if you make it. I'll see you on the other side. No, he's going to walk with you. Yes. He's inside you. He goes where you go. He does not have a different path. He's going to stay with you. And what happens when people 
deliberately ignore the voice of God because they just chose to believe all the other people around them. He mounts a rescue operation. The word of the Lord says, For we know not what we should pray as we ought to. Meaning, God is looking at us and saying, You don't know how to pray. Think about that for a second. He says, I don't know how to pray. So it doesn't matter how many years I've been a believer. There is a deficiency in my prayer. And that's why he says, you know not what you should pray as you ought to. But the Holy Spirit himself will intercede for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, here is the most beautiful picture. The Holy Spirit wants to take responsibility for our prayer life. Now, it's one thing for me to pray by myself. It's wonderful to have a partner in prayer. You don't have to go find somebody. Will you pray with me? He is right here. He, he knows how to pray. He knows the strategy. He knows what should happen next. He sees the end result. He sees the miracle. And he helps us to pray accordingly. Now, going into the scripture, it says, For we know not what we, we ought to pray as we should. That little word, ought to pray, basically means even small things. God's telling me, I don't know how to pray even for small things. Because I can be moved by what I see and hear. But the Spirit of God, who is God himself, knows exactly how we should pray. So if I have a problem praying for small things, how am I going to pray for the big challenges? At least what I think is big. Most people collapse. They crumble. That's it. You know, they're done. They're like, you know, just give me something that I can take and I, I'm not connected with the world for six hours. That is not the solution for believers. You don't need to turn to any substance. You don't need to go to a physician, have him recommend something to you, you know. Take it and, you know, just lay like that. No. You are different. You're a new creation. You have a living God on your side. God says he's an ever-present help in time of our need. You have a need. He's the ever-present help. People go waste money on big advisors and this and life coach. My goodness, we have God living in us. The one who created us. The one who knit us in our mother's womb. So, go back to the scripture. He says... For we know not what we should pray as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us. Now that word, intercede, that word means rescue operation. It's very similar. We've all seen, you know, in America television where you see Coast Guard uh, sending a helicopter. That yellow helicopter takes off. Because a boat has overturned or is caught in a storm or splintered or whatever it is has happened in the high seas and the waves are horrible and these people are barely holding on to life. You see them bobbing there, you know, and what do these guys do? They go there, they are being trained in such a way, they are fearless, they just literally jump from the helicopter straight into those turbulent waters. 
And then they stay in the water, they get a basket down, get one person at a time, put in there, hoist them up. The last person coming out of the water are these men. That's a rescue operation. So we are the ones who have fallen into a place where we shouldn't be fallen. So, but the Holy Spirit doesn't stand and say, I told you so. He doesn't say, if you just listen to me. But what he does is, he comes into our circumstances. So if you're dealing with ungodly thoughts, he's willing and ready to come into that circumstance to snatch you and take you out. If you are in a relationship that is, you know, is wrong in the eyes of God and you are emotionally attached, you turn to the Holy Spirit and cry out to him. He will step into that circumstance, take an axe and cut it. You don't need to keep making excuses and live in a circumstance that is that is. Placing you in a position to receive the wrath of God. That is not the place you need to be. You need to be rescued out of that circumstance. And the only person who has the power to do it is the Holy Spirit. We can never win our battles with our limited natural strength, with our experience, with our limited natural mind. We have to come to, we have to be, we have to understand that and come to terms with that. Look at the example of Abraham. The Bible says, Abraham, when he received the promise from God, did not stagger in unbelief, like a drunk man staggering, trying to find his footing. Rather, he began to thank God and became strong in faith. Why? The next line says, because he was fully persuaded that the God who had given him the promise, he alone possesses the power to fulfill that promise. Say this with me. My God has given me Supernatural, supernatural promises, and he alone possesses the power to fulfill those promises in my life. Now, this is very important. It's straight out of the word. We have to be fully persuaded. We cannot be like, well, many people have prayed for me. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray for me. Nothing happens, fine. No, 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 no. We don't come to God like that. We need to be fully persuaded that my God will do exactly what he has said in the Bible. It's not my word, it's his word. Jesus said he is truth. Our God is truth. And what he speaks is truth. And he's faithful to his word. He has the power to fulfill his word. I'm encouraging you today to allow the Holy Spirit to baptize you. There are many believers who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have come from various backgrounds and different things have been taught. I'm encouraging you, turn to the book of Acts and just read it for yourself to see what Jesus says. Here's the thing. 
Jesus Christ was baptized in the Holy Spirit. John baptized him in water in the river Jordan. As he came out, the Holy Spirit came upon him as the form of a dove, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 7, verse 37, he talks of, he's in the temple. There's a feast going on, eight days. The last day of the feast, very important feast. Uh, there were three feasts that every Israeli male should be in attendance before God in Jerusalem to be in this feast. So he's there. Temple is crammed to the people. They're doing a water ceremony that is indicating that at some future point there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they do not know exactly what it is and how it's all going to happen, but they're just doing that ritual. So very important ritual done on the eighth day. And Jesus is standing there, he's watching the ritual, but he's the only one standing there who's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he knows what happens when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why suddenly, when everything is so calm and quiet, Jesus lifted up his voice, it says, and very loudly said, cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Now, look at this, these words used there, flow. We're talking about a river that is filled with water and it is overflowing its banks. That's what the word flow means. It cannot be held back by its banks. When the Spirit of God fills us, what happens in our life is so amazing, it overflows every limitation we have ever placed upon God. Every limitation in your mind about what God can do. How many times you, we have already concluded this is an area God cannot do anything. I just have to live with this. Perhaps you have had a generational sickness in your family. Ten generations you can go back and see the same condition. And you have already concluded this is what's going to happen to me. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things become new. You have a God who breathes life inside you. You have a God who has a plan for your life. And there's no way you can die without fulfilling that plan of God. So how do we break that? The only way for that to be broken is that man-made limitation must overflow with the Holy Spirit where you don't know where the limitation, where that river bank was anymore. Water is so high, so fast, so overflowing. Nobody can stop it. Devil cannot stop it. Your mind cannot stop it. Your neighbor cannot stop it. Your previous tradition cannot stop it. It is life flowing through you. And the next word Jesus used was rivers. When the word river is used there, it's not talking about some lazy little, you know, slow moving river that you float on on, a, on Labor Day. We're talking about a river that's so deep, that's so wide, that's so filled with water, swollen, overflowing the banks. 
And Jesus uses plural. Think about all the biggest rivers that you studied in your geography class and put all those rivers together. We will have an unprecedented flow of water and Jesus is giving us an example of what is happening inside him. Every day he's walking on this earth. Jesus was entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit every day of his life. He didn't do one thing without the Holy Spirit. He didn't go to one place without the Holy Spirit. He went, he was totally under the control of the Holy Spirit. From conception, how was he conceived? Through the Holy Spirit. From that point onwards, every day, he was controlled by the Holy Spirit. When he went through the sufferings, the Spirit of God was with him. When his hands were tied to the whipping post and they are beating him and their flesh is flying out. Why? Because he has taken our sicknesses. Upon him. He was not beaten just 40 times. That's under the Jewish law. He was beaten by the Romans. Without number. Historians say people by the 10th or 12th stripe. Would just die. Because the pain was so excruciating. Blood vessels and nerves are breaking out. Blood is flowing everywhere. People just collapse and die. But Jesus did not die at the whipping post. Why? He saw you. He knew your heart needed to be healed. Your arthritis needed to be healed. You need to be delivered from drug addiction. You need to be delivered from pornography. You need to be delivered from wickedness of the enemy and every bondage with which the enemy has bound you. He, he wanted you free from your blood diseases, from your mental diseases, from whatever it is that the devil has bound you today or any member in your family. That's why he was beaten. And then he carried that cross to die on the cross on Mount Calvary so that the full price, say that with me, full price, for my sins can be paid for. So that the full price for your healing your physical healing, your mental healing, your emotional healing can be paid for so that the full price for you to be completely free from every addiction and bondage can be paid for. And it is finished. It is finished. Nothing lingering. He didn't get a Labor Day discount. It was full paid. For who? Come on, you should be shouting and jumping by now. For who? Come on, I didn't hear you. For me. Paid for you. Paid for you. Paid for you. The full price was paid. Now, how do we access this? By responding in our spirit. It's our spirit man that receives the word. It's your spirit that is on fire right now. Because the Holy Spirit has ignited a fire. And through his word that you're listening, he's fanning the flames. You are set on fire. And we don't let go of it. 
So many things we pursue and pursue. We need to pursue the Holy Spirit. We need to pursue the word of God so that this fire can keep burning in our lives. So that we are not like dead wood. Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Think about that for a moment. People, when they heard Jesus, they said, what doctrine? With what authority he speaks? He doesn't speak like the Pharisees. He doesn't speak like the scribes. Demons will see him far away and say, what have we to do with you, Jesus, son of the living God? Have you come to torment us? Why did that happen? Because rivers were flowing out of him. The spirit of God was flowing and the demons knew they cannot stay there any longer. Man covered with leprosy from the top of his head to the soles of his feet could walk up to Jesus. He's forbidden by the religious law of the day not to come anywhere near people who are clean. He really had no options. He's going to die anyways. Whether staying outside the city with other lepers and die of starvation heat or he can come to Jesus and be stoned by people because he broke the law. But he took a chance. Something inside him. His spirit man did not respond with what he saw. His fingers eaten or you know, pus oozing out of his body. He saw himself healed. And he came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, if you are willing. Here's the amazing thing. In the entire Old Testament time, there were people who, are, who had leprosy. That's why the religious law was there. It was given to Moses. But in all of Old Testament, only Naaman the Syrian was healed of leprosy. Not one Jewish person. And here we are. This man looks at Jesus. If you're willing. And Jesus did not answer right away. You know what he did? He reached his hand and touched the man, which he should not do. He touched him, the man with leprosy. With all the fluids and the stink and everything. And then he said, I will be cleansed. He used the word not heal. He said, be cleansed. Why did he use that? Because we know from the scriptures, because of Adam's sin, this is a fallen world, and sin has consequences. We sin. Our sicknesses are a result of sin. Sin can be cleansed only by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the same way our sicknesses are also dealt with. He said, be cleansed. And he was clean immediately. I want to encourage you today. How are you do, dealing with your circumstances? Are you looking at your circumstances? Say, be, be filled with fear and unbelief. And, and you're thrown in the towel. Say, this is it. This is how I'm going to be. Rest of my life. Or. Are we going to say. I'm going to rise up in faith. In my inner man. 
It doesn't matter what my eyes see. It doesn't matter what my ears hear or what I feel. Today, I choose to anchor my faith in the unchanging word of God. Can this God who says nothing is impossible with him touch me? Otherwise, we're all wasting our time. He is faithful to his word. So Jesus sends these disciples into that sea. Seven hours or more, they are fighting the storm. They have concluded they are going to die. Jesus shows up on the water. And Peter says, Lord, I know the Jesus who can walk on water. I know the Jesus who can multiply bread and fish. I know the Jesus who can heal. But I've never seen the Jesus who's walking on water on the circumstances that's about to destroy me. So if it's you, command me to step out of this boat and walk on top of the very circumstance that wants to drown me. There are circumstances that you are looking at, say, this is it. This is going to drown me. I'm going to lose my business. I lost my job. I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose my car. I'm going to lose my child. I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to lose my sanity. Whatever it is that the enemy is telling you, this is it. This is going to destroy you once and for all. I am saying to you, like Peter who was so filled with fear that day because fear had taken hold of him and fear is telling him, you're going to die. You're not going to make it one more second. And he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to walk on water. And he walked on water. He walked on the circumstance that was trying to kill him and destroy him and drown him. We have a choice. We can stay in a boat of tradition. We can stay in a boat of unbelief. We can stay in the boat of fear. We can stay in the boat filled with the lies of the devil. And we can drown. Or right now you can tell Jesus it's not because I deserve a miracle. It's not because I'm worthy. It's because you have qualified me. You have made me your son, my, your daughter. You've transformed my life. You've opened my eyes, given me understanding of your word. You've given me the Holy Spirit. You've given me your faith that cannot be contaminated by the devil. And I'm going to use it, Lord. And I'm going to fix my eyes on you. Take my eyes off my circumstances. Fix it on you. Take my eyes off of me. And fix it on you. I'm going to walk. And have the victory that you have for me. I encourage you. To ask the Holy Spirit. To baptize you. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's what the scripture teaches. You don't have to take my word for it. Just look 
Go to the book of Acts. There are five instances there where people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in three places it says they spoke in tongues. In two it doesn't say. Some people get fixated on that too. One is Paul, but later on Paul writes, more than anybody else I speak in tongues. Now what is this speaking in tongues? It's a language that God gives us. We cannot manufacture it. It comes. It just flows. But there's something wonderful about speaking in tongues. Bible says you're speaking mysteries to God. Second, it's a prayer language. You can pray for hours. You can pray until you know all of that knotted stuff in your heart and mind because of circumstances. All of that goes out and you're actually free. That's the moment you know you have a breakthrough. And the third thing about the Holy Spirit is it's like fresh rain. We can get spiritually dry. We can go through the ritual of being a Christian. Every believer has experienced You don't need to feel bad if you're going through it because everybody has gone through it. And the antidote for that is praying in the Spirit. Because your spirit, your heart, your mind is saturated by Him. And all of a sudden your mind clears up. Your heart is steady. Your faith is strong. The Word is speaking to you. Why would we not want it? Jesus couldn't have done one miracle without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He could not have suffered for you and my, me without the help of the Holy Spirit. He could not have gone to the cross without the Holy Spirit. He did not raise from the dead without the Holy Spirit breathing into him. Here's the thing. Our whole faith rests on a miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's interesting. Some people say, well, I don't believe in miracles. My brother, you know, you have to. You, you already signed and you just didn't know. You don't need to read the small print. It's the biggest print. He rose from the dead. Otherwise, I'm not a believer. If he rose from the dead, why would I shackle God today from healing my body? So take the limits off of God and let him be God in our lives. Right? I did have a message, <laughs> but I'm just going to read this scripture to you. The reasons for thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 1, 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father. All that we talked about is because the Father loves you and me. Everything we have talked so far this morning. Giving thanks to the Father as we reflect on this. Not just mentally, but in our spirit man. There's a joy exploding as a result of that. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Think about this. He qualified us to be born again. Because in and ourselves, we had nothing. Our, our wisdom didn't do it. The amount of money in our bank didn't do it. Our education didn't do it. Our social status didn't do it. Our good works didn't do it. Jesus, God the Father, qualified us. 
That's the first thing. He qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Second, it says, he has delivered us from the domain or power of darkness. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Because of sin, we were slaves to the devil. He was running our life. We were under his control. Now he has absolutely delivered. He walked in there and he paid the price, the ransom, and took you from the camp, prison camp of the devil and has now placed you in a different area. Delivered. Next word. Next line. And transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Transferred. So look at these three words. Qualified. Delivered. Transferred. Past tense. It's, uh, it's done. That's what happens when we were born again. The spirit of God convicts us of sin. Otherwise we cannot be saved. He has to convict us. Otherwise we're just mouthing some prayer. He convicts us of sin, and then we are qualified by God to be born again, for our sins to be forgiven. And then what does he do? He delivers from the power of Satan, and the domain and the kingdom of the devil. Remember, we used to live there? And then what did he do? He transferred us. Now this is a very interesting word. In the ancient times, when one nation goes to war against another nation and they are victorious, they would take the population from there and move them into a different territory. When the Assyrians, remember your Old Testament knowledge here, Assyrians, God allowed them, raised them up, to come against the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel, because they had rejected God, they had embraced idolatry, and repeated warnings from God, they did not respond. They stoned and killed the prophets who brought the word of the Lord to them, and God delivered them to the Assyrians. What did the Assyrians do? They picked them up, lock, stock, barrel, and took them to a whole new place. Now, this is what Jesus did. Once I was living under the domain of the devil in the kingdom of darkness, no freedom. My life is being devastated, destroyed in front of me. I am self-destructing. The enemy is telling me, do this, I do. Now Jesus comes in. He took you and me from that kingdom and literally transferred us into his kingdom. And what happens in his kingdom? Now you live under the love of the living God. Now you have peace with God. Now you are covered with righteousness. That's very important. He, we are now covered with righteousness. That's why God can look at you and not see your weakness and sins. He sees the righteousness of Christ that gives us the opportunity to go into his presence anytime. After your worst failure, you can kneel down and pray because of the righteousness of Jesus that's upon you. And he listens and he answers, he forgives, he restores and he reconciles. Now you and I have access to the promises of God. So the promises are not just hanging on the wall or on your desk calendar. It is not just something that somebody sends a text. The promises are possessed. You experience the promise. Not just read it and feel good about it. No, 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 no. God is not a feel-good God. He is a God who performs. So you are transferred 
into the kingdom of his beloved son. So three things, past tense is used. Very important here. It's one time action God has done. Now we come to the last line. In whom we have redemption. Now present tense is used. In Jesus, we now have redemption. Meaning, how is redemption seen? Redemption is seen through the results in our life. That's what gives us the opportunity to be thankful to God. I used to be like that. Now I'm like this. You're redeemed. How did that redemption take place? It took place because a price was paid for you and for me. I got to read this one thing to you, so please be patient with me. I'm still on India time, so you can understand. <laughs> All right. Redemption can be summarized around these three basic truths. One, all of us have been redeemed from something. What is that? We were slaves in the auction block of the devil. And we were redeemed from slavery. Everybody say this with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, now you got to say that like you ate all those nice pastries and drank that coffee. You're talking like you're from Sudan or someplace. <laughs> come on, some life, some fire should come out of you. All right, ready? Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus. For, redeeming for redeeming me from slavery to sin. The second thing is, believers are redeemed from something. What is this something? They are redeemed by payment of a price, which is the blood of Jesus. To be redeemed, somebody had to pay the price. We used to belong to somebody, then somebody else took control of our life. And this other person had the ability to pay the required price to get us back. So what is thanksgiving? This is why we thank God. All right, ready? Everybody got your shouting voice ready? All right, say this with me. I am redeemed by the payment of a price. The precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, are you ready for the third thing? Yes. Three people are. Now, I need 100% participation. Are we ready for the third? Yes. All right. We, the believers, are redeemed to something. We are redeemed to something. That is a state of freedom. We are not in slavery anymore. We have a freedom that's been given to us. We are in the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. Shouting voice ready? Raise your hands. Everybody. Now, you can put it up. There's nobody waiting outside to beat you, you know. <laughs> I am redeemed to something. To a perfect state of freedom. In Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now let's say it one more time. Let's try it one more time. Say this with me. I am a child of God. I've been redeemed from 
the marketplace of slavery to sin. I am a believer. I've been redeemed by the payment of the price. The precious blood of Jesus. I am a believer. And I've been redeemed to a state of freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, when we say thanksgiving, it's not feeling thankful. It's not a feeling. It's thanksgiving, opening our mouth and thanking God. Are you thanking God that you live in this nation? When most people are confused about this nation, I wish I was living here. <laughs> God created this nation for his purposes. This is one of the most blessed nations. If you had a question, look at all the pastry sitting in the back. <laughs> and that good, strong coffee. <laughs> how many types of coffee? How many types of stuff you can put? You can put caramel, mocha, you. <laughs> Any type of car you can drive. You can drive diesel, you can drive gas, which those are good. Don't live in Florida and get a Tesla because if a hurricane comes, you got to plug that thing in. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now, God asks some questions. With this, all this in mind that we have seen this morning. Romans 8, chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. Look at the first question the Holy Spirit is asking us. What then shall we say about these things? We've been listening to these amazing things God has done. So what shall we say? Thank you, Lord. Come on, shout, thank you, Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord. Devil cannot stand against you. People cannot rise against you because God is with you. They got to deal with him before they touch you. Who will bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on. You can shout better. Thank you, Lord. Who is the one who will condemn you? It is Jesus who died for you. More than that is risen again. Who is on the right hand of God. Seated. And right now is interceding for your miracle. Thank you, Lord. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, our sword say nothing. nothing. Thank, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Knowing all these things, we have complete victory, 100% victory through Him who loves us. Thank you, Lord. Oh, your hands didn't go up. Your hands didn't go up. Come on, put some motion to your thankfulness, everybody. I'm going to say that one more time for you, those who missed out the first time. Knowing all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, this is the end. Hold on to it. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he may grant me to be strengthened with power 
through His Holy Spirit in the inner man. Where are we attacked? In our inner man. Our heart and mind is the most vulnerable place. That's where the devil will attack you. If he can defeat you inside, defeat will follow in action. If you are victorious inside, victory will follow. Look what God says here. Are you with me? This is Ephesians 3.16. I pray according to the wealth of his glory. What is glory? All that God is and all that God is. That's a simple explanation of what glory is. All that God is and all that God has. It says that he may grant you to be strengthened. Say, I am strengthened. With the power of the Holy Spirit. In my inner man. Thank you, Jesus. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that by being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all these saints what is the breadth, length, height of the love of Christ. So that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Are, are you with me? Oh, I hope by now you should be jumping, standing on top of those chairs. Fullness of God in this body? People today, before they came to church, looked themselves in the mirror. They didn't like their hair, didn't like their eyes, they didn't like their nose. They didn't like, I don't know what else. But <laughs> people are concerned, oh, I got this disease, that disease, this weakness. You know, they got a big list. This is the only country, you know, you can come and Monday you take this, Tuesday you take these pills, Wednesday it's, it's arranged, brother, in an order. It's unbelievable. And look what, what God says. He says he wants us to be filled up. Like you fill your gas tank up. That last bit you still squeeze in there because the price is less. If you're not a man, you won't appreciate that. So <laughs> my wife kids me all the time. You drive to 10 miles to save $2. <laughs> but look at this verse. Isn't that amazing? That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Not a little trace of fullness. All the fullness of God. Say that with me. All the fullness of God. I can be filled up. Now. Not next year. Right now. Thank you Jesus. It's right there in your Bible. When you get depressed, don't pop a pill. Go read this. There is a fullness. Come on, you tell me, how can sickness stay in your body when you are filled with God? Because my God, his name may be ancient of days, but he does not have arthritis. He does not have sight problem. He does not need a LASIK. Health just flows from you. Him. Peace flows from him. Supernatural energy flows from him. You know, rejuvenation flows from him. And I'm saying, God is telling us, be filled up to all the fullness of God. After giving us such a phenomenal revelation of who God is, now comes the final thrust. Now to him. This amazing God. This unlimited God. 
This incomparable God. Who's my heavenly father. Now to him. Who by the power that is working within us. See the power is not somewhere out there. It's already working inside you. Look at your neighbor and say the power of God. Is working. Right now. Inside you. It's working. To bring you the breakthrough. To give you the liberty. To give you the right mind. It's working inside you. It's working so that you have peace in your home. That your relationship with your family will be restored. And, and it will be beautiful. It is operating inside you right now. We don't have to pray, oh God, give me a power. It's already operating. He says it's working. Yes. Present continuous tense. Yes. Present continuous tense. Yes. Wow. Wow. Oh, you're not getting it, oh Father. Open our hearts. Now to him, my heavenly Father, who by the power that is working within me is able... When the word comes able, he has the power to do it. He's able to do. Are you ready? Yes. Can we actually read this? Yes. Three people said yes. yes. Rest of you. Yes. Come on. Are you really ready? Yes. Can you receive it? Yes. Able to do far beyond all that we ask or think or do. Dream or imagine or hope. You got to read this in the Amplified Classic Bible. After that, you just get launched. After that, you never want to come back. It says, He will do beyond your infinite prayer. You think you prayed the ultimate of asking? He says, You think that's your limit? I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something beyond that prayer. You just ask this much. I'm going to do something that reaches sky high. All that you can ask. Think. Imagine. Dream. Hope for. Is this God worthy of our praise? Are we ready to thank him? This is what Thanksgiving is all about. Thanking our good God who has done so much for us. Whether so, whether you have a turkey or not, just open this and read. You will overflow with joy. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, God, for this amazing day, this great time to get together, delight ourselves in you. Look at your word, be thrilled, be energized, be rejuvenated, be transformed, be set free. In the mighty name of Jesus, I rebuke you, foul demon spirit of fear and anxiety and worry. Get out in the name of Jesus. You have no authority to be in us. We refuse to give you access to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are living inside us. Fill us with the fullness of God. Fill us up with the fullness of God. And that fullness will result in a sound mind. The ability to think the way God thinks. That fullness will give us understanding every day of the word of God. That we will not only receive the word. 
We'll meditate it. We'll speak it. We'll pray it. We will live it. We'll speak the word so that our circumstance will be transformed. In the mighty name of Jesus, because of the fullness of God and the power of God that's already working in us, I command every sickness, weakness, pain, whatever it is, oh God, that's afflicting your children this morning, will get out, be healed by the stripes of Jesus. I pray you will, because you have entered into a covenant with us, open the floodgates of heaven and bless your children. That they will not fear the future. They will not fear the inflation. They will not fear the economy. But they will know you are their Jehovah Jireh. And you are more than able. Inflation doesn't affect you God. High prices do not affect you God. It's immaterial. We are in this world but not of this world. Our we operate in your economy. We are faithful in our giving. And we, are, we know through your word that the windows of heaven will be open. You have miraculous ways of providing for us. I pray that we will experience your all sufficiency in our finances. I pray God you'll bless marriages, heal relationships. We pray for our children. We bind the devil right now. Every demonic spirit that has brought confusion, lies, captivity, bondage be broken now. Because the word of God says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Even now spirit of God go to my children wherever they are. Touch them. Deliver them. Bring conviction in the heart. The hand of the Lord will come upon them in a mighty and strong way. They will start weeping, crying, repenting, giving their lives to you. That they will be gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. And begin to seek your face for direction in their lives in the name of Jesus. Heal those who are emotionally hurt. Heal those who are bound by offenses and unforgiveness. Deliver them, O oh God. Bring healing and wholeness. In Jesus' name, amen.